white helmets stand accused by Syrian civilians and by former white helmets of uh, being involved in organ trafficking and in organ trade, in the abduction of children for the staging of events, in the murder of children, in the staging of events, right? All of this is on record. And yet there is still no public inquiry into this organization. Or as I would say now, no inquiry into the BBC's complicity with this cover-up. Welcome to The Last American Vagabond. I hope we're not dropping out already. It seems we're having a little bit of struggle with the stream right in the beginning. Not surprising. I have a always a great guest on the show joining me yet again today to discuss some really important information. In fact, some leaked information that is getting into a discussion that we've talked about quite a, quite a lot, specifically with Vanessa Bealy, who's joining me today, in regard to the White Helmets, in regard to James Lemezier, Le, Le, Le however people want to pronounce it, and as long as well as a lot of information around Syria, foreign funding of terrorism, and you know Western state-sponsored terrorism, and things that we've been trying to break open on the show for quite a long time. So we're going to have her walk us through some new information that she came across, and probably open us up to some pretty new important things, as well as the fact that I think this is interesting that I'd like to get her opinion on in regard to the crossover and things in regard to COVID and how that applies to this topic as well. So Vanessa, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Uh, You're welcome. I'm just trying to repair my link to the to the PowerPoint. <laughs> Everything crashed at that second as I came on. Typically. Right. Same with the, this side um, as well. I'm not, I don't think that's by accident. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure the powers that be are, are keeping an eye on us. Hi. No, it's really good to be back. It's been quite a while since we sat down and chatted. And I just, you know, I just wanted to come on because um, the recent uh, information leak by the same group, uh, supposedly anonymous, that leaked a load of information previously about um, UK Foreign Office intelligence operations inside Syria providing particularly um, heavy media support for the armed groups, including those affiliated to Nusra Front or Al-Qaeda inside Syria. So effectively supporting terrorism and, and endorsing and advocating terrorism in Syria, as of course they have done since um, even before 2011. Um, and um, then, of course, we had another tranche of uh, documents from the same organization demonstrating that one of the main protagonists or one of the main intelligence contractors in Syria was also being um, contracted to infiltrate intelligence security military institutions in Lebanon, of course, in an attempt to um, instigate the same sectarian divisions and um, conflict there as they have done or or attempted to do um, in Syria. So the crossover is really, really interesting. And what I wanted to do tonight, um, there's been a recent uh, leak, another leak by the same uh, group um, of documents appertaining to this particular organization, ARC Group, which is headed up by a guy called Alistair Harris that we... uh, 
ha are extremely suspicious that he is uh, linked to MI6. In fact, there is now, um, again, quite recently, a very clear link or a very clear connection between himself and MI6 operations inside Syria. Um, and uh, the BBC, the White Helmets, and other uh, institutions or shadow state uh, organizations that have been established inside Syria in order to um, both work alongside the terrorists to provide cover for the terrorists and um, to criminalize and demonize the Syrian government, the Syrian army and allies inside Syria. So I wanted to get into this because um, what I've actually focused on, I mean, I'll be doing a much deeper dive into all the documents because they're vast and the information that they've released up is very important um, but it's going to take a lot of time to go through and kind of write up but tonight I wanted to focus on the BBC's role mm -hmm. because um, you're well aware because I came on and talked to you about Chloe Hadramatu and her Mayday series which was effectively um, you know a whitewash of the White Helmets operations in Syria and um, really a sort of a cover-up for James Lemaitre, who died in November 2019 in um, Istanbul. And interestingly, uh, the British courts have returned a verdict of not sure if, if it was suicide or not. So the suicide verdict, which, of course, um, suited, let's say, everybody uh, in the UK intelligence agencies and in the UK government, has not actually been confirmed by British courts. So that leaves really the verdict fairly open. So I think um, if, if we get straight into it, I want to start with a BBC panorama mm -hmm. report that has effectively been memory hold as far as I can see. It's no longer available at their official iPlayer um, website. That actual program is no longer available for viewing. It's not available on YouTube. There were a number of people that had downloaded it. And when I went to the link, um, which I'd had previously, they'd been removed from, from YouTube altogether. Luckily, I had downloaded the program um, back in 2017 when we knew it was going to be put out because I predicted that this would be um, effectively a disconnect from the White Helmet's involvement in war crimes that are being committed by the armed groups inside Syria. And of course it was. It focused entirely on the Free Syrian police. Um, but also what is interesting, um, if we go to the next uh, slide, I prepared all these to kind of try and organize my thoughts. Um, the Free Syrian police, which was covered in this BBC Panorama program, under the title of Jihadis You Pay For, and that gives you a clue. Um, now, basically, this program exposed the Free Syrian police um, that are being funded by UK aid money. Um, so, um, effectively, that money is coming from the British public and is then funding, as the BBC Panorama program showed, terrorist groups, including um, Norald and Zinke, that were responsible for the beheading of um, the child, um, Abdullah Isa, in August 2016. Mm -hmm. um, and that effectively what the BBC Panorama program found was that the aid money was being 
siphoned to jihadis or Islamists inside Syria, including uh, Nusra Front and Norel Denzinki. Now, the extraordinary thing is, and, and why this is extraordinary will become clear um, later on, particularly uh, in relation to the documents that have just been released. Um, no mention is made of the White Helmets first and foremost. And if we go down to the third slide, we demonstrate there that the White Helmet's actually um, the third one, so the one after that. Yeah. So if you look at that image, uh, I guess it's on the right for people watching, you will see the Free Syrian police operating quite openly with the White Helmets alongside them. And on the left-hand side, you'll see the Free Syrian police, as we so often see with the White Helmets, um, operating inside a building that was occupied by Nusra Front with the Nusra Front flag over the, the, the entrance to the building. Uh, now, real, real quick, Vanessa, before you before yeah. you go forward, I want to just get some clarification on a couple of things. Mm. Because, two reasons. One, a lot of my audience has been very disconnected <laughs> yeah. from a lot of this stuff for a while, yeah, myself sure. included. So <laughs> one thing I want to ask before we go f further into this is that what we're looking at here are the slides. What is the, I want to differentiate between the discussion of what was leaked information and the BBC. The, so the, the Panorama BBC document, the documentary was publicly put out in 2017. Now they're trying mm -hmm. to keep that from everybody's view. So what are we looking at right here? Where are these slides coming from? These slides are coming from uh, social media images, images that were sent to me at the time because oh, just you, prior you to the, together. yeah, Got it. just prior to the BBC Panorama program, I had done uh, an in-depth investigation into um, British-funded contractors like Adam Smith International that is targeted in the BBC Panorama program, um, who were effectively funding what were euphemistically called local councils in East Aleppo. I proved through the documentation that I found in East Aleppo, in the local council um, buildings, once the terrorists had, had evacuated from the area to Idlib, um, paperwork connecting Adam Smith International. When I then investigated it, I found that the head of the local council was also the head of the White Helmets, and he was... Um, originally uh, an armed member of Taweed Brigade, which was the first Turkish-backed terrorist brigade that invaded Aleppo in 2012. But he was also, at that point, head of the local Nusra Front group. So effectively, Adam Smith International and the British government, because they were contracting Adam Smith International to effectively manage these so-called local councils, were therefore funding... Nusra Front, because the funding was coming in to a Nusra Front leader who was also head of the White Helmet. So, I mean, you know, it's not obvious to make that connection. Right. So the BBC Panorama program came out immediately after that investigation. So we immediately recognized it as um, a kind of a, a, a smoke and mirrors job, you know, like distracting right. away from, from the White Helmet's criminality. Which is something and, we often do. By giving yeah. you, a little, throwing you a bone to make people go, oh, look, they're yeah, exactly. talking about, and it's not really the full picture, limited hangout is what exactly. that would be called. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And this is exactly what this proved to be, because they totally targeted Adam Smith International. Now, to give a little bit of background and why this is going to be important as, as we continue talking, you'll see the connection to the documents that have been released that have confirmed what I suspected 
and is connected to this BBC Panorama program, right? Um, so Adam Smith International, they've been awarded, uh, I think, according to BBC Panorama, 537 million in aid contracts. Just, just run that by yourself again. 537 million pounds, right? English pounds. So I don't know how that converts into dollars right away, but it's a large sum, right? Um, to run aid contracts globally, including inside Syria. It's also worth noting that Adam Smith International have funded Bellingcat to the tune of 65,000. You know, Bellingcat, the well-known intelligence-run right. NATO-connected <laughs> disinformation agency, right? The um, are so very obvious. I mean, that's the thing for those that have been who are pulling on their memory from things we've talked about a lot in this in the past. Yeah. These, the, the, the overlap between the funding of these groups that then work right alongside the groups like Al Nusra. For those who don't remember, yeah. this is an overt terrorist organization. It's, it's amazing. So please continue. And uh, the really interesting thing, because I looked into Adam Smith International when I was investigating the White Helmet connection. Right. And Adam Smith International, in my opinion, are a full guy for the British government. So when British government funding is exposed to, to, to be going into, let's say, uh, fairly shadowy directions, Adam Smith International take the fall. Hmm. And this is basically, uh, I believe, what happened with this BBC Panorama program. And right. as I said, this will become very clear as we start to go through um, the documents and the information that I have and making the connection, and this is really important, making the connection between Free Syrian Police and the White Helmet. We see them there working together, but the connection is way bigger. And what I want to try and show is the nexus of organizations that are behind all mm -hmm. of these agents that are working for foreign powers to destabilize countries. And the interesting right. thing, of course, what we're also seeing, Corey Morningstar pointed out that purpose that was one of, you know, the, the really big billionaire complex companies that was behind the war in Syria, um, indirectly funding organizations that funded then the white helmets, etc., and running a lot of the kind of PR campaigns um, for uh, the extremist groups and terrorists, so-called opposition inside Syria, is now running campaigns on behalf of the COVID project. <laughs> um, Seidel, who who was the producer um, who made uh, the White Helmets movie that won the Oscar in 2016, is also um, running now... Uh, promo movies for the whole COVID project. So I can't tell you how unsurprised I am, but propaganda is going <laughs> to propaganda, right? That's how that's going to, it doesn't matter where it's going to be. <laughs> exactly. And I think this is why it's really important because all the techniques that they used and are using in Syria, they're using on us. So, right. you know, what I always say, like, don't ignore Syria because of COVID. What I try to do is to bring them all together because it's the same hybrid war, the same multi-spectrum war that was waged against these target nations is now being waged against us. So it's very important for us to recognize the organizations and the type of organizations that are being used to do that. Can I right. make one, one quick point and then we'll get back to your yeah. slide so I don't derail us any further. But I think it's really important to see that the, the 
people try to, so like, for instance, I make connections between what's happening with COVID to a lot of other things. And people yeah. argue, and they may be right, that that's my, me making it come together. You know, it's what I want to, at the end of the day, but I don't think that's what we're looking at. I think what you just described is the continuation of the same things we've been seeing and it's, and it's coming together and it's obvious. So that's just my opinion, but the overlap there is hard to miss between COVID and everything else, but please continue. Yeah, so basically, if we go on to the next slide, you'll see that the Free Syrian Police are sitting um, with a commander of the Free Syrian Army. And you'll probably remember that the Free Syrian Army were the only so-called moderates inside Syria. But of course, the fact that um, they're sitting with Commander Al-Qaeda, who had very clear connections to both Robert Ford, who was American ambassador in Syria when the entire kind of so-called uprising happened and he was um, kicked out of Syria for basically fomenting the violence and, mm. and for supporting the death squads, which were effectively the Free Syrian Army. And he has a history of connection to the creation with Negroponte, for example, um, of death squads, right? And and here he is with Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda is sitting with the Free Syrian police and he's also um, heavily connected, and it's very well documented, his connection to ISIS. So this was very early on in the conflict. So moving on again, um, and the reason I'm doing this is because I had to kind of organize my own mind um, because, as I say, there was just so much information included. Um, now, at the end of the BBC Panorama um program, they actually make the statement that the money of British taxpayers is being spent very poorly. It is unfortunately strengthening extremists and Islamic groups currently in control of the majority of opposition areas. So let's just underline that one, shall we? In 2017, BBC Panorama noted that the majority of so-called opposition areas are under control of Islamist groups, which are being funded by the British government. Okay, that's translation of what is being said there. Jeremy Corbyn to Theresa May also said uh, something very similar. It's the responsibility of our government to ensure robust scrutiny and transparency processes are in place to prevent such grotesque abuses of UK aid money. Um, now, this is where we come to Chloe Hadjimatiou, who, as I said, um, produced the Mayday series, which was basically uh, a 15 series um, program, effectively a smear campaign against all those, including myself, who had exposed the white helmets and exposed British government intelligence operations inside Syria for some time, including, of course, um, the white helmet involvement in the OPCW um, report. Uh, which, of course, has since been discredited by the dissenting inspectors that were part of the original investigative team. Now, what's important in this, in, in what we're talking about tonight, of course, I can branch off into a hundred different directions, right. but I'm really trying to focus. <laughs> and I know you and I struggle with that because right. we get so carried away with it. I'm laughing about it right now. I have 45 <laughs> things I want to say right now. I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Even me, I'm trying to kind of, you know... Um, so basically, as part of the May Day series, um, Chloe interviewed Alistair Harris. Now, Alistair Harris heads up um, the ARC group. 
the ARC group um, is the subject of the recent document leak. So this is where we're starting to see the connection to the, the recent uh, document exposure, right? Um, she interviewed Halaster Harris because as CEO of ARC group, he's connected in three ways, probably more, but I'm looking at three ways tonight. First of all, the white helmets, okay? James LeMessurier was working for ARC group when he was tasked and he headed up um, the Istanbul office of ARC group. And again, that was mentioned later in um, the same article that I've highlighted here by Chloe Hadjimatiou. Um, and he created the white helmets. But again, in the May Day series, there is no mention of James LeMessurier's connection to the Free Syrian police, right? So we're seeing here the BBC is managing a very clear disconnect from the Free Police and the White Helmets. They are exposing the Free Police as siphoning British aid money through Adam Smith International to terrorists. Now, it's worth noting, I've mentioned it at the end, but I'll mention it here. This was December 2017. The British government claimed it froze funding. It didn't because mm -hmm. I tracked the funding through the, the British government documents. It continued funding Adam Smith International. By February 2018, the entire Free Syrian Police project was back on. <laughs> so we're talking one month, right, mm -hmm. that the British government went, oh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, we shouldn't be funding terrorists. By February 2018, funding was switched back on. So this is why I think this entire operation was was to distract away from the White Helmet. Fast forward 2019 to 2020, Chloe Hadramatia is brought in to further cover up the role of the White Helmets in the destabilization project run by the UK Foreign Office and intelligence agencies inside Syria. We, we, just um, quick, we, we see this kind of play with action that's hollow with politics and, and media all the time. Actually, interestingly enough, we saw it very similarly with Trump's move to defund the White Helmets, too, where they make a big, yeah. splashy statement yeah, and everybody exactly. covers it. And then two days later, they go back on it, but nobody covers that part of it. And then it ends yeah. up being well, like... I actually really? called out Trump's frozen funding. Yeah, me too. Said, no. All it's done is, is, is just distract, is, is deviated it to someone else. Right. And to ensure that that funding will continue, but not through, you know, the usual auspices. That's, that's basically what that was down to. Right. Same thing now, happened with the WHO and, uh, and, and, uh, Gavi and the same kind of thing where the Trump supporters were like, oh, he defunded them. And no, they just funneled it through and they got more now. Yeah. Exactly. An angle. Yeah. 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 No, it's just a wormhole. I mean, they right. just, you know, they just swap wormholes. <laughs> it's like shove the money through a different, a different hole in the wall or to the first one. And then, you know, when everyone's forgotten and the dust has settled down and so on, then, then they come back to the original Adam Smith International, as I said, right. been had up for fraud multiple times, very shadowy operation, and yet they continue using it. So what does that tell you about the British government, basically? Right. After they just admitted that most of the groups are terrorist organizations when it suited them. But now we'll come back and now they're good because we won't talk about it yeah, anymore. Yeah, now they're good because everyone's forgotten about it now right. and, and COVID. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. You know, um, so basically um, in this particular article, Chloe interviewed, well, in the May Day series, Chloe interviewed um, Alistair Harris. In a later article, she also interviewed a guy called Shia Muhammad. 
um, who turns out to be a very close friend of James LeMessurier. And again, this is very interesting because I actually wrote to Chloe um, and asked her directly. I said, and I also later wrote to her line manager because I got no response from either of them, but they can't claim I haven't contacted them. And I asked why they didn't cover um, LeMessurier's connection to the Free Syrian Police in the Mayday series, and also why she interviewed Shia Mohammed uh, and didn't also ask him about James's connection to the Free Syrian Police. And obviously, um, there was absolutely no answer. But this is where it gets interesting, okay? Remember in the BBC Panorama program, there was no mention of the ARC group, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Analysis, research, and knowledge is what it stands for. Basically, STRATCOM in another another disguise, right? Um, The target was Adam Smith International that took the fall for one month and then came back on stream in February. Why was ARC group completely covered up and why is the BBC now memory holding this program? Because in one of the recently released documents, we see very, very clearly, um, if we skim down, ARC has also provided communications support to other conflict stability and security funds. So that's the UK Foreign Office, very kind of shady fund that is, has zero transparency or certainly used to. Many MPs actually complained about it a couple of years ago. Um, <clears throat> uh, so the CSSF-funded projects in Syria, such as Syria Civil Defense, which is a complete shadow state fraudulent name because right. they're the white helmets, Syria Civil Defense, um, exists inside Syria, created in 1953, and the only one recognized by the International Civil Defense Organization in Geneva, and the Free Syria Police, through posters, booklets, broadcast products, receiving extremely positive feedback, which was gathered through large-scale surveys and social media monitoring. So in other words, very similar to the original leak about the UK Foreign Office providing media support for armed groups, etc., of course, here we have Art Group not only helping in the creation through James LeMessurier mm-hmm. of the Free Syrian Police, the White Helmets, but then providing communications. Um, in other documents, they talk about providing stringers or appointing stringers inside Syria to provide them with the information they needed for their various evidence collect- collecting operations to further criminalize the Syrian government, etc. And also, what is extraordinary, what comes through from and, and explains, in my opinion, why they are trying to desperately cover up this operation is the sheer size of it, Ryan. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy, Alistair Harris, who in the Mayday series um, program sort of rather coyly says, you know, he should be described as a, as a diplomat, you know, who clearly has links to security apparatus, to MI6, you know, etc., Mm -hmm. Um, and is running intelligence operations in Lebanon, in Yemen, in Syria, in Iraq. I mean, you know, when years ago, I remember going on James Corbett and talking about why the White Helmets are being so protected. And I said, because I'm guessing it's going to be a global franchise. Well, bang on. I was over target, you know. I I remember you saying that. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what these documents now prove right that it was, um, that it was if, aimed at that from the very beginning is that what you're saying 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. that's why the identity um, of, of, or rather the, <clears throat> the involvement of ARC has been covered up. Why? Because <clears throat> they are involved in the global franchise of organizations like the Free Syrian Police, like the White Helmets. I mean, they might be rebranded, but effectively it's the same it's the right. same thing. I mean, they are now running operations in um, in Tripoli and Lebanon, very similar to the White Helmet operations, right? Yeah. And no, all so- of this is contained in, in these documents, by the way. So it sounds like ARC is the, the main focal point to really see where this agenda is being played. I do notice that it says Yemen right beneath there. And so, I mean, yeah. obviously the Yemen the – Yemen, occupation is one of the worst things happening on the planet right now. So it's not surprising to see, oh, look at, they're doing the same thing there. How long until we see white helmets in Yemen? I actually, I believe, I think that's already been tried if I remember correctly. Right. Well, I mean, effectively they are there, but as I say, they're just, I'm I'm actually looking into that at the moment, but, but they're in the South. And of course the South originally was a British colony. Arden was under control of the British. Right. And Britain has been pushing for the succession or the successionist movement in the South, in Arden. So mm-hmm. it's no real surprise that you might find organizations now there, like the White Helmets, running similar operations. And, and we know that the White Helmets are, are effectively, um, not always very successfully, but running intelligence operations for the British government and allies in inside Syria. So that's effectively and, what they're there to do. And I would point to your previous work and our interviews on that work in regard to what has been done around or because of the presence of the White Helmets, such as human trafficking, mm-hmm. organ trafficking, yeah. child trafficking, and all sorts of other things, regime change, false flags. And this is not some hyperbole, right? This is stuff that's been presented at The Hague and other where mm-hmm. it's just being ignored by Western media. And that's what's so exactly. alarming to see this reach growing, especially under the under the growing whatever we're looking at today. Like how what you know, maybe we can talk about this at the end if you'd prefer, but maybe mm, what you see sure. this connecting with in that in that whole apparatus, you know? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um so if we move on again, sorry, mm-hmm. to the to the next um slide, basically in the same article that Chloe interviews Shia Muhammad. It's mentioned that uh, James LeMessurier is the head of the Istanbul office of Harris's, Alistair Harris's organization, ARC. At the time that he um, created the White Helmets uh, in collaboration with a, with a Turkish first responder organization called a- AKUT, Akutsk. Um, but then that's where it kind of gets interesting because it was actually a friend of mine inside Syria that picked up on this uh, Facebook page of Shia Muhammad where he's obviously speaking about James after his death in November 2019. And he mentions the fact that he worked with James LeMessurier to create the White Helmets. Uh, sorry, the White Helmets and the Free Syrian Police. So again, in the, in the entire Mayday series, as far as I'm aware, I will listen to it again. I asked Chloe to, to, to let me know if I was wrong, but she didn't correct me. Mm-hmm. There is no mention of James's involvement with the Free Syrian Police. And this becomes very important as we move on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it's confirmed. This isn't the only document, the previous one. This isn't the only document relating to ARC's involvement with the Free Syrian Police. There are multiple documents, okay, showing how deep their involvement was in the creation of this organization. So let's just remind everyone, 
They were not mentioned in the BBC report. They were completely erased <laughs> from this funding of terrorists through the Free Syrian Police, right? Even and though they created them right. and they ran their media operations. There's no way that's an done. accident. So yeah. I just say that's that's my opinion. I'm happy to say that I don't. There's no way that that was in accidental, unless you want to con- tell yourself that these BBC journalists are the most incompetent people in in journalism. You know, maybe a little bit of both. But I think it's obvious that this is a willful omission of something that ties this all together. Absolutely. And actually, the photo on the left is of James Lemessurier trying out one of the Free Syrian Police uniforms in um, East Aleppo, and. Going back to the BBC Panorama program, one of the accusations that was levied against the Free Syrian Police was the fact that they actually not only enabled money to um, to, to reach the hands of the terrorist groups, in, including Nouril Densinki, but that they participated in torture. They participated mm-hmm. in the detainment of civilian prisoners. They participated in various executions, including um, stoning under Sharia law. They um, worked with uh, Noral Denzinki, who, as I said, beheaded um, the 16-year-old boy, or was he 12? Sorry, 12-year-old boy um, in East Aleppo in 2016. Have you disappeared? (laughs) You disappeared for a second. (laughs) Um, And exactly the same type of accusations are levied, not by the BBC, but by Syrian civilians against the White right. Helmets. The White Helmets uh, participated in, in torture and execution. They enabled the detainment of civilian prisoners. They uh, participated in the summary execution under Sharia court law. And James LeMessurier even admitted that when he was trying to excuse their participation or their mopping up after uh, executions by saying, well, they're operating under Sharia law. Well, <laughs> James, that's that's under you know extremist Islamic law, mate. You know, so well, effectively, uh, what we're seeing is a mirroring of operations. But the white helmets were completely like pushed to one side, and and no, they're fine. The Free Syrian Police were exposed, and yet both operations are created and run by the same organisation, the same. UK government contractor, which is Art Group, which employed James LeMessurier to set both organizations up. Which is why he was omitted. But what, what's, what you can't – this is what I see all the time in this, and it's a willful – it's willful by the people that don't want to see this, that he points and, and, and you, as you said, makes the excuse and says, well, it's because of the Sharia law. But then later down the line, you point back at this, well, he admitted they were, but there's an excuse. They just Now it's just that didn't happen. That's not the case. Yeah. They never did that. But it's all just narrative in the moment. you know. And this is the frustrating part is that there's a level of, of even people involved in this just discussing media <laughs> who choose not to – see it same thing in every discussion you want to point out today it's just becoming very obvious but that's the kind of stuff that i love your work for is because you're keeping the continuity here he did say that so you can't go forward acting like that's not the case exactly and he also talked in a i think it was a georgetown university paper he talked about the sectarian nature of the white helmets which again is something that i've always labored you know they are sectarian they're not inclusive of all other minority sects inside syria so effectively, they're prone to the, the extremist radicalization um, if you're going to sort of give them some get out, if you like, um, because of their sectarian thinking. 
they are more likely to be radicalized by um, the extremist armed groups, particularly Nusra Front. But then right. again, one of the White Helmets who was still operating when I interviewed him in the southern Syria in Dara told me quite clearly, if a leader of the White Helmets is Nusra Front, the whole group will be Nusra Front. So, you know, um, they were heavily influenced by the extremist ideology of the armed groups that were affiliated to Nusra Front. Hmm. Um, now, in September 2018, and Whitney wrote about this um, at Mint Press News, um, the Netherlands actually cut funding to the White Helmets over likely links to terrorism and the likelihood or the lack of assurances that funding was not basically being siphoned to the terrorist groups in a very similar way to the Free Syrian Police. Right. But yet again, no mention um, from the BBC. And I'm pretty certain that this wasn't really mentioned by Chloe Hadjimatiou, um in her uh, Mayday series either. And then, of course, um, in 2020, you had um, the Volkskrantz um revelation that James LeMessurier was basically uh, under suspicion of fraud, having, um, according to the investigation, embezzled, uh, let's, let's, you know, at least 50,000, which had gone um, to, to the costs of his wedding, to Emma Winberg, then Emma LeMessurier. And of course, let's round this off completely. Emma Winberg set up a company called Incostrat with Paul Tilly, another former military contractor. And what did Emma Winberg do? She ran PR and media support for armed groups inside Syria, which included Jaish al-Islam that occupied Duma, where the chemical attack in 2018 happened. One of the most violent uh, sectarian extremist groups inside Syria responsible for um, mass ethnic cleansing, executions, um, torture in the prison where they kept um, all the prisoners that they took from, kidnapped from Adra to the north of Damascus and then took them to uh, Duma where they kept them in Tarba jail and also um, put them in cages and used them as human shields uh, in, I think it was November 2015. So Emma Winberg... <laughs> Then uh, later, uh, the impact officer at um, Mayday Rescue married uh, James LeMessurier, um, but formally in charge of PR for some of the most violent armed groups inside Syria. But again, this was completely and utterly omitted from the Mayday series, from any articles um, that then followed by Chloe Hadramatiou. Um and in fact, Emma, Le Emma LeMessurier um, is now apparently um, going after Volksgrant for their baseless smears against JLM. But of course, there's an awful lot of omission <laughs> in her claims. Um, I, I can't go too much into the, the whole kind of financial front because we'll, we'll be here all night. But hmm. it's, it's, been, it's been covered by a number of... Um, of outlets, independent outlets, including um, the working group for Syria Media and Propaganda, um, which, of course, were the academics that were then targeted. I'll come on to that. Um, so 
Well, real quick, I wanted to ask you yeah. in, in regard to the money and all the other things that you're discussing, the the the, the wife and the and the connections and all all is there a, your email obviously reached out to try to clarify like why were these things not included? Is there any level of like here's why this obvious stuff that's verifiable was not to just pretend it's not there? That's yeah, crazy. I think they're just kind of going <laughs> don't yes, reply. Yeah. <laughs> That, I'm no, actually, I mean, as much as I know they're all propaganda, I'm, I'm actually baffled by how blatant this is today. Cause this is written. I mean, you're point, you're pointing to previous mainstream discussions that prove that they're not including this stuff. It, it's just, it's, they're not even trying anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's extraordinary. And the BBC is the British state media, right? <laughs> I mean, like it, it, it really, I mean, there seriously has to be a public inquiry into this. I mean, John right. Belcher did the fantastic, the wall you don't see. Um, after Iraq and held the BBC to account. But I mean, there has to be not only on Syria and Iraq and Libya and so on, um, Afghanistan, but also now on, on COVID. I mean, their coverage has been nothing short of, of gaslighting, yep. um, to be honest. And, you know, it's, it's a psyop. And it's that's what they're what running they here. It's revealed yeah. what they really are and the purpose yeah. they serve from the top down. There's, I and guarantee I'm, there are people within there, like the Alison Morrows of the world, that are trying to do good within and just realize they can't and break off. But we should see this today with everything, especially COVID-related. It goes back to stuff like this. This is what they're there for. I think that's pretty clear. Yeah, and, and I just want to point out that, that the organization that vindicated James LeMessurier, in other words, kind of completely got him off the hook posthumously of his claims, you know, the claims against him of um, fraud and his own admission, actually, um, was Grant Thornton. Now, when we look at Grant Thornton, again, a little bit like Adam Smith International, we just see an absolute litany of fraud cases against them. So it's not exactly what I, I mean, I haven't, because I only looked into that today, so I haven't had time to kind of really go deep into it and see if there's a connection with government agencies. I'm I'm pretty sure I can find something if I look hard enough. But I mean, the number, and I've only put three or four up here, but but the sheer number from about 2004 until now of, of cases of fraud and misrepresentation, um, and negligence, etc., against Grant Thornton is extraordinary. I haven't seen anything like it. But um, and here we come again. What, what I'm what I'm trying to show now is is the fact that all of these organisations um, involved, particularly in Syria and under the umbrella of um, ARC, are uh, responsible for the theft basically, of public money, the sponsorship of terrorism, oh. effectively, free Syrian police, white helmet funds, right? Um, and so here in one of these documents, we pick up a connection between ARC and an organization called Active Strategy. Just now, a real quick were, to cut in, Vanessa, I apologize. Yeah. I, I believe I'm a couple yeah. slides behind you on there. For the audience, I apologize about oh, that. Sorry. I wasn't aware... Uh, that you just, so I just want to make sure we're we, yeah, people sorry, for the audience can see. No, it's okay. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so, I'm so interested in what you're discussing. I'm losing track of this. So the, just yeah, so I'm, people can see for the show, this is what you were referencing in regard to the, the, the fraud. And there's all the evidence yeah, in front of you, the mainstream right. articles so you can see. Uh, and then we're caught up with you. Please continue. Work in tandem with another <laughs> implementer. That was my fault. Please continue. <laughs> no, no worries. I, I was, I was getting too much. Into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they were basically then um, requested um, 
So from 2013 to 2015, to work in tandem with another implementer, Active Strategy, that was designated to deliver one of six lines of effort. So basically, he then talks about Actus's lack of prior experience on Syria and the fact that um, ARC will work closely with them to um, deliver the program. So effectively, ARC took control of the Actus program. Right. Now, the only slight problem with that, now let's remember, Actus was created in 2013. So at the point when the integrated community security program in Syria under ARC's supervision 2013 to 15, right? So let's go forward. So they were established in 2013, but let's go to April 2019. Former UK diplomats, Dr. Andrew Rathmel and Alex Martin, handed millions of pounds of British taxpayers' money for foreign office projects, caused huge damage to, of course, Britain's reputation as firms collapse, leaving hundreds out of jobs. Um, so basically, the same thing again. Mm -hmm. Millions of taxpayers' funds, going into active strategy who basically defrauded the British government, but were former um, British government um, civil servants. Right. See, this is where I always argue that from a government level, they would always rather be seen as incompetent and criminal. And I argue it's not just that they got defrauded. It's probably just that's the way they cover them willfully funding these operations. What well, do you yeah, think about and that? I mean, this is total privatization of foreign aid, right? Mm -hmm. Because right. what they're effectively doing is palming it off to private contractors. So when it all goes hideously right. wrong and the British government is funding terrorism inside Syria, they can wash their hands of it and blame Adam Smith exactly. or blame. But of course, they haven't blamed ARC because ARC is useful for the future. So they, they're protecting ARC. It's sort right? of the public-private partnership of the foreign policy aspect of this is what it feels yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so if we move on. Um, to the next part on Actus. Um, so there you'll basically say the wife of Britain's ambassador in Iraq quit her senior role with Actus because she saw the writing on the wall. Um, bosses blew a six-figure sum on a champagne-fueled retreat, etc., etc., right? So Jeez. British taxpayer funds are basically going to former um, British civil servants who are then squandering it and, and you know misusing it. Um, now, I don't know whether it's worth bringing up at this point that, that Emma Winberg, certainly a number of journalists have, have um, approached her about it and asked her. But in, I think it was in 2017, she purchased an apartment in Amsterdam, which has recently gone on the market for 1.9 million. Huh. So as a lowly uh, CEO of a company providing PR for terrorist groups, one has to ask where on earth they... they you know, she got the financing for that kind of. Um, yeah. And then, of course, as I said, as I mentioned, um, within one month, um, the project was was back on stream, the free mm -hmm. Syrian police. So in my opinion, this, in, as I said, this entire exercise, including the BBC Mayday series, including BBC Panorama, which has now been memory hold and. I would also like to know, has anyone heard of Chloe Hadramatou since the Mayday series? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the really interesting um, point, and this is where I can come on to the fact that when I went to the UK recently, I was detained by the anti-terrorism police <laughs> for six hours on my arrival. 
um, on the basis under Section 3 of the Anti-Terrorism Act, which is the intent to commit hostile acts. And apparently wow. my hostile act was to provide um, secret information to foreign intelligence agencies. I mean, of course, my first response to them was, well, why are you interviewing me and not the British government um, as sponsors of terrorism? Right. Um, but the interesting thing towards the end of the interview, and I was held for six hours, I had to give DNA, I had to give fingerprints. Wow. Um, they downloaded all the information from my phone. I now actually have Julian Assange's lawyers trying to retrieve the information under the Journalist Protection Act. <clears throat> um, and I'm, I'm due to speak to them fairly soon about that. But from the questioning in the interview, right, the, I, I would hazard a guess that the BBC was involved in my detention. That's what um, I, I would also hazard a guess that an organization called the Commission for International Justice and Accountability that carried out a sting operation against a member, an academic member of the working group, <clears throat> which was then fed to the BBC, to Chloe Hadramatiou, to run a hit piece, right? right. Um, was also behind the detention because of the questions that were asked that could only have come from those two areas. So again, you know, here we see the BBC working in lockstep with intelligence agencies to intimidate and to silence um, challenging voices <coughs> to the UK Foreign Office operations, particularly in Syria, but mm -hmm. also perhaps with, with the COVID project, etc. This is where I, the Chloe specifically comes to mind because I, I, I'm sure the BBC is behind the push here to, to a larger degree. But her, our last discussion, I don't think, I don't remember if it was actually our last discussion, but the one we had specifically around May Day and Chloe and the, to the hit piece on you, that was the focal point of literally calling you a terrorist, like saying that what you're doing, and, th and that's exactly what they picked up on. They used that yeah. allegation to, re to detain you, to threaten you, and all of it's based on the, on subjective claims with nothing to back them up. And that's enough, apparently. It's that's that's alarming. And again, I'm glad you bring up the, uh, something like Assange, because this is exactly what this builds toward to where there's a, there's no accountability. And any journalist that's challenging power will get put into a hole for six hours, maybe for the rest of their lives. And that's something they want us all to know without saying it. Yeah. And, and also it's worth pointing out that CJA, the Commission for International Justice and Accountability, which is headed up by a guy called Bill Wiley, who was involved in the Saddam Hussein trial in Iraq was also created by guess which group under the control of Alistair Harris. Yeah, you've got it, the art group, <laughs> right? And CJA, of course, is responsible. And one of the reasons that they lashed out against the working group um, was they claimed that it would put under threat the, the 700,000 pages of Syrian government documentation that they claim to have stored in a secure area in the UK. But it has to be pointed out that they have never, ever brought these documents to light, <laughs> that they have never brought a solid case against uh, the, the Syrian government, against the Syrian president. So one has to wonder, you know, uh, as to the veracity of these claims that they're making. Right. I mean, 700,000 pages of documentation is a huge archive. But of course, as I said, they come under the auspices of ARC. ARC is known to be running 
um, media operations for terrorist groups inside Syria. It headed up the Free Syrian Police that was exposed by BBC Panorama to be funneling money to the terrorist groups and working hand in hand with the terrorist groups, as were the White Helmets, also created by the art group and James Lemessurier. And yet, as I said, they're, com they're, they're kept completely protected by the BBC <laughs> and right. by, of course, all other associated media. And that includes The Guardian, The Times, um, that was actually tasked by James Lemessurier to go on the attack against those that were exposing him, right? right. That, again, is, is documented. And right. this, is, so, this is why we discussed the BBC and other groups. I mean, this is complicit. This isn't just malfeasance or, I guess, you know, just, you know, lacking integrity. It's just, this is an actual action. That, I mean, what they're doing is not just by omission, but in fact, like you're saying, taking out hit pieces, complete propaganda to cover actions. But at the very least, like we're seeing here, a lie by omission is just as complicit. And they're keeping this yeah. up from people's view. You can go back Absolutely. long before the discussion of the OPCW and that big focal point, of, cause, which is very important, of, of the lie and, and the cover up of that whole thing. But to the point you were just making, you can go back long before that, back to Carlo Del Ponte and different people from before that very clearly lay out the evidence that this is not what they said it was. And we just keep going forward. So I always find yeah. it very interesting that the OPCW part of this seems to be such a focal point, seeing as how there's so many other cases before it that we can, there wasn't an OPCW up in the air discussion. We can prove, we can see. She comes on record and says, no, it was the rebels. We just pretend that's not there. You know, I often wonder whether these are false kind of arguments to get us focused on the wrong part of the <laughs> conversation, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And also, don't forget that BBC Panorama was implicated in a possible hoax uh, incendiary bomb attack mm -hmm. in 2013, just before Britain voted on whether they should um, intervene militarily in Syria and bomb Syria effectively. And of course, that was exposed by researcher Robert Stewart. So BBC Panorama also is implicated um, you know, as a separate entity to, or, or, or as a, a part of the BBC entity, but a kind of, a, a, you know, a branch of it, mm -hmm. which is implicated in 2013, and now, in my opinion, implicated in 2017. This was a, a total cover-up. Let, let's throw Adam Smith International into the mix. Let's throw Free Syrian Police to the dogs, but we'll bring them back in when, when everything's died down. Right, you know, and and that's basically what what that was all about, and that is clearly demonstrated now by the most recent leaks, which which totally exposed Lemessurier's involvement in the Free Syrian Police, not mentioned, and Ark's involvement in the creation of the Free Syrian Police, and their involvement, as I said, globally, on behalf of the British government to to gain influence and to um, foment uh, destabilization in target countries, which include Lebanon, include um, Yemen, um, Iraq, etc. Yeah, I think it's such an obvious, I mean, just whether or not you hear all this and you walk away thinking, well, they're just being dishonest or there's more to it. There's more, you know, willful action in regard to foreign policy taking place from BBC level. It's obvious that this is just dishonest journalism. There's so much being missed in this conversation, willfully so. And that's just, you know, and that's that's the smallest part of it. So we really need to stand back and look at the bigger picture here of what this is leading to and what's being covered up. Go ahead. Your point. No, but I mean, you also have, as you know, we've pointed out the OPCW scandal, but mm -hmm. you've also had, I mean, for example, you know, we've had the Oxfam food for aid, uh, sorry, sex for food scandal. You've had Red Cross, you've had, um, uh, what is it? 
the International Rescue Committee, the refugee organization run by David Miliband, all of them um, accused and investigated for um, sexual deviancy, right? Mm -hmm. The white helmets stand accused by Syrian civilians and by former white helmets of uh, being involved in organ trafficking and in organ trade, in the abduction of children for the staging of events, in the murder of children, in the staging of events, right? All of this is on record. And yet there is still no public inquiry into this organization. Or as I would say now, no inquiry into the BBC's complicity with this cover-up. Not even complicity. I mean, they're running the cover-up right. from, from the evidence that I've put out there tonight. They're running I it. I agree with that. And that, that's we shouldn't be afraid of making such claims when the evidence is obvious. Mm. People are so afraid to make contentious claims these days when, you know, it's just, it's right on the table. It's obvious. Either they're the most incompetent news organization in history, or they're very clearly covering something up that's right in front of us. Because we, like, that's the point to go back to what I said before. Let's be very clear that when, uh, Vanessa is pointing to BBC articles, and in that article, it says something that they're currently saying isn't true. Yeah. So they're wrong one of the times, right? I mean, it's just so it's insulting to your intelligence. But let, let's bring this over into the current part, because I'm just, I have so many things right now that make you, the, the, the one that stands out to me the most, and we could probably talk for the next three hours about why this could overlap. But so you have this very clear history of chemical weapons, biological threats mixed in there as well in regard to the white helmets, the involvement, the cover-up, or their narrative just being there to help. And now you see this interesting crossover today with all of that, where obviously we're talking about viruses and, and that kind of pandemics, but they've also tried to make that connection to, well, what, what about anthrax? What about smallpox? Like the weaponization of this. And you can see how this could connect to a foreign policy level. And then it brings me to the conversation of white helmets, a global apparatus or a global organization being deployed to, to do what essentially, and how that may overlap and be used in a context of COVID-19. I just wanted your thoughts on that. Well, that's, uh, that's interesting. You've just jogged my memory. I think it was, um, might've been 2019. Um, I was contacted by someone and I, I, I can't give out names because it was on the basis of anonymity that wanted me to provide as much information as possible to discredit the white helmets because they were really concerned that they were that they tendered for an international uh, contract with a very high level international organization running uh, first responders globally right and luckily um, I don't think it was only down to my information, but luckily um, a number of the board members on the organization were against the idea because of the white helmet reputation. Um, and the whole idea was not pushed through successfully. Thank goodness. So that was derailed. What but year was when, this? Go on. What, what year was that? As I was asking the, the year. I think that would have been two. Um, I think it was 2019. So the year before 2020. That's right? see that that just all all the red flags stand yeah. up right there. I mean that's yeah, really and I, I mean you just jogged my memory at that point because I'd kind of I'd memory hold that because I hadn't put huge although I'd registered it I hadn't connected it to anything but now you've mentioned it I've I've kind of rewound back to that point and thought oh, yeah right. okay that does make sense but it's also um, you know there's no reason to to think 
that Arc, for example, is not going. I mean, it's running Stratcom for strategic communications for just about every terrorist group on the planet. You know, so if the COVID operation or the COVID project or whatever bioterror cyber warfare project is going to take precedence over localized conflict, right? It's very possible that that is one reason that ARC is being protected because it has a role in that environment also. And it could also be, as you said, the militarization um, of um, medical, medical, I don't know what you would call it, medical groups, medical organizations, right? Mm -hmm. In order to push through um, the health tyranny that they're trying to get through now. It right. could well be that that is militarized at some point, in which case I would expect to see an organization like ARC getting involved. Because We're then, doing that to a degree around the world. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I haven't gone through <clears throat> all the documents. I know Kit Clarenberg recently um, wrote an article published up at Zone about um, the crossover um, with the Syria propaganda, etc., uh, so yeah, there is, you know, there is clear, clear connections. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, when you look at the extent of the operations that are, are running globally on behalf of the British government, it's extraordinary. And I mean, the resources that are being poured into this organization in order to be able to, to run these, what are effectively <clears throat> intelligence surveillance operations. I mean, they've totally infiltrated security apparatus in Lebanon, government institutions, intelligence institutions, sure. right? Um, and and so yeah. there, you know, and this is, if you like, this is what the British are really good at. <laughs> so any project, like let's say any of the oligarchs that are running the COVID project, were probably involved in the Syria project, were probably involved in the Libya project, the Afghanistan right. project. Etc. So it's all on the same. Yeah, they're going to avail themselves of organizations like Purpose, um, like Art, to to run the same operations for them on on all the different levels. And that's the thing yeah. now, is we're having to view the world on on so many different uh, from so many different optics. You know, from the localized conflict optic, whether it's Ukraine, China, Russia, Syria, but then on that oligarch level, mm. which is in my opinion, above the localized conflict level, but it's still weaponizing the local conflict level, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's still very successful as a depopulation project. Yeah, I, I definitely, I agree. And I definitely <laughs> think that it's it's just, it's not, it's, it's one and the same, as I said. I feel like, as I've said many times, it's just the part, this is the inevitable part two of the original bio, the original security state, 9-11, rolling into the biosecurity state. Well, now the technology is where they think they need it to be. Maybe they yeah. overshot what they thought they had. But at the end of the day right now, I definitely see it coming together. And it really alarms me to see how that could be applied, whether you're thinking the false flag aspect or whatever else, you know, and as well, we shouldn't just consider, we shouldn't just expect to see, you know, U.S. white helmets with helmets and pads on. It won't be like that. You know, it'll be yeah. much more immersed and different and it probably might it might already be happening you know yeah. and that, that so that exactly. does, i think you really really we should probably even put a pin in that and revisit this in in yeah. a couple of months and see because i think Definitely. you really hit on something important here right yeah. so let me ask you this to finish up this part of it yeah if that was going to go that direction the total i just want your hypothetical opinion how do you see that playing out like how what what would the transition from an, a, a wartime 
rescue entity and, and being folded into some sort of a COVID. I, I would see like the biological connection there, but you know, what are your thoughts on how that might unfold going forward? Um, <laughs> it's a guess. It's judging enough, judging by their, their expertise, like um, picking up sarin samples with sandals on, and <laughs> they're going to have to kind of up their game a little bit yeah. if they're going to be used in the. But of course, what you've seen in Edlib, I mean, that again is interesting. You've seen the new images of white helmets in full hazmat suits, you know, producing PPE. And of course, yeah. the funding for the white helmets has now been transformed into funding for the white helmets to produce PPE in Idlib <laughs> right. for the, the millions of um, COVID uh, patients there, of course, because the boom in, in, in COVID numbers is, is in the Northwest, in Idlib. And so you're seeing um, the white helmets now being, you know, transformed into COVID first responders. So it's very yeah. possible that will be repeated. It's possible that if there's a bioterror attack, um, there will be an organization created which will be a first responder within that. I mean, it's it's relatively easy to see. I mean, for God's sake, they can rebrand. Mm. <clears throat> they can rebrand Al Qaeda. You know, how many times in Syria? I mean, right. people have lost count now of, of who Al-Qaeda is and who it isn't and who the affiliates are and so on and so forth. They're all the same. Right. Right. It's just like one big mafia complex and they splinter into different groups. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. But they, they love this rebranding, the same that they're doing now with COVID, of course. Right. You know, from Omicron to Fluorona or whatever it was. And it's, you know, it's just... And that's the thing. People need to see the patterns because they're there. Right. And that's why maybe talking about Syria tonight, I'm sure people in the beginning were like, oh, my God, he's not talking about COVID. What are we going right. to do? You know? <laughs> Syria? Where's Syria? No, don't worry. That's coming up next. That's coming up next. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I think it's so incredibly important to see that overlap. I think, I mean, for me, I think the, if I had to put a pin on it, I think it's obvious to see the bio as you discussed, like, so all of a sudden yeah. now it's more first responders to like, I'm actually really surprised that we haven't seen the hype, the hype of a potential weaponized version of what this is or so on, you know, even though it's probably what we're literally dealing with. It, it's interesting to see that hasn't happened. Like from an Israeli, like, Oh, the Iranians are weaponizing what's happening. You know, you can see that easily being yeah. lobbed out there with nothing to back it up. So I'm, Maybe there's a reason that's being waited on, you know, and then all of a sudden there's an apparatus to have some group to deal with yeah. this level of it. And then nothing. I mean, we're already at a point where a new hypothetical mm -hmm. variant and nothing means anything anymore. Is it the symptoms Is it this? Is it that? And everyone's up in the air. I think I see that where it might be going, where then all of a sudden, is it COVID? Is it a weapon? And nobody knows. And is it the vaccine side effects? I mean, it gets into a really opaque situation even more than we have now but i'm glad we had this conversation because it's it's so very important to not lose sight of what's happening to these palestine syria bolivia on and on and on yemen venezuela because it's obvious that people myself included have lost a little bit of the focus because of how big this thing is that we're dealing with right now yeah, absolutely and even me you know it's 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 crazy i'm here in syria and i've actually never been happier to get back here than i did after my so-called detention in the uk huh. i've never been happier when when a plane's doors closed and i knew it was going to take off safely um but you know i think um i i think what is really uh i've totally forgotten what i was going to say then no um, worries. I do it all the time. It's not. It's not to. <laughs> yeah, no, just like, it, it's not to lose um, that focus, and it is really easy to do. But but you know, it's all interconnected. 
Right. That's the thing. And I think that that's what, um, because, you know, now here in Syria, actually, vaccines are becoming mandatory. I mean, mm. people are being coerced into vaccines here, whereas up until very recently, Syria was quite um, even-handed and rational in its response to, uh, you know, the so-called pandemic. Um, now it becomes very clear that some kind of political pressure has been brought to bear and Syria right. is, is having to come a little more into line, let's say. And um, if you make this question in general, the, the, the larger coordination between governments in, in, in general, you know, because yeah. it's the same thing we're seeing around the world with countries that you might not have thought, you know, at the very least leaning into a mandate of some sort or a passport. So, yeah, and it could, as you said, it could really just be massive political pressure, financial IMF pressure. But at the end of the day, it, it goes in that direction. Any country that's going along with that, any government, it makes me worried and skeptical. I tend not to see it as, as the government's um, making the decisions, I tend to see it as pressure being um, whether I'm right or wrong. Mm -hmm. But how I perceive it is that pressure is being brought to bear by, let's say, the powers that be um, right. behind the governments. Because you, I, I think what we've seen since the beginning of COVID is a lot of confusion in the messages being put out by governments, right? right? Until so. they're all brought into line and then suddenly they're all saying the same thing pretty much. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, how did we go from that to that? Right. You know, and, and so it becomes very apparent that they're not fully in control of, of their policies. Okay, some right. of them might be might be enjoying it more than others. <laughs> but, you know, we know, like, for example, in Africa, the number of um, leaders that have been either deposed or suddenly dropped dead or right. been assassinated because they were against the whole um, health tyranny, global health tyranny project, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think we are going to see, I, I don't honestly think there's going to be a government in the world in the end that's going to be able to to stand against it. Um, and that's, you, know? you know, that's where it's up to us, right. really. Exactly. Exactly. It speaks volumes to to the larger agenda that's at play here. And I, you know, just yeah. about, we need to be skeptical, open minded. I mean, there are. I do believe that there are people, even within different higher level locations, that are not okay with what seems to be happening. But sadly, it doesn't feel like, or even obviously, it's not the majority. But I do believe that the people, the individual on the ground, the countries, whether just the United States or the world, are very clearly in the majority that they are not okay with where this is all going. Now, that doesn't mean from within that that there aren't people that disagree on you should take it or you should wear a mask. But at the end of the day, sort of like how we had, you know, with foreign policies, the same concept. I mean, I can't stop seeing the overlaps because you're right. This is a larger agenda. They're just going into the larger part of it. But that, that we just need to see that we are all un- we're not okay with the removal of our rights, the suppression of our movement based on a hypothetical, based on whatever they say is happening, you know? And that's yeah. exactly what we've been seeing happen to the Palestinians, to the Yemeni people all, for this whole time. So we just need to be, like I've been saying this whole time, as, or as Whitney said, your body's the new battlefield, right? We yeah. are now the ones under sanctions. It's It's been inevitable, and now we're here. Yeah, and also minds, because, I mean, basically this is an entire infantil... They've gone from infanticide to infantilization. Mm. So right. we're being reduced to children where we can't decide if we're ill. You know, we need a test to tell us we have symptoms. I mean, it's absolutely insane. And mm -hmm. I mean, the thing is, when I went to the UK, um, I didn't quarantine. I didn't do my PCR test on the second day to make sure I didn't have Omicron or whatever it is, right? I get a text message from the NHS, have you done that you should do? I blocked it and reported it as spam. 
<laughs> you know, I was like, for goodness sake. I mean, this is the whole point. We're being reduced down to infants, yep. you know, like dependent upon the state to tell us if we're ill. Like, we don't know where else. <laughs> right. Yeah, what's the classic that, you know, a, a virus so dangerous, you got to be tested to know you have it. You know, it's <laughs> I, to, to end on a positive note, though, I do yeah. believe that the reason that's happening is because we are reaching people, right? Your message, my message, it's getting through to yeah. people. And so they're just, it's the cornered animal analogy, right? It's becoming a little bit over the top because they're desperate to stop this. And I don't think it's working. Yeah, and I think that's an important crossover as well, because I've made the point the BBC should be held accountable because effectively it has been enabling terrorism inside Syria and then covering up the crimes committed by those terrorists, mm -hmm. right? Um, now, in the same way, the BBC will be um, weaponized as regards COVID, so it should be held accountable. It's time for us to start holding those in power accountable. The media is never going to do it because the media is part of the same apparatus, right? It's, in, it's a weapon in the hands of those in power. So right. it's up to us to hold them accountable. And, yeah. and we have that right, and, and we have to do it because our future depends upon it. But as regards the BBC, there has to be. What we should be campaigning for is a public inquiry. They should be held accountable. All of these media organizations, right, yep. that have effectively promoted war for decades, that have defended um, terrorism since 9-11. Mm -hmm. right. you know, um, they should be held accountable. And, and that's the bottom line. You know, we've got to fight for our minds. We've got to fight for our, our our bodily autonomy and all those fake left journalists that are attacking us for our individualism. They weren't saying that when Israel was forcing uh, sterilizing vaccinations on Ethiopian immigrants right. in, in the Zionist entity enclaves, right? So suddenly bodily autonomy is bad. Then, right, it, it, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. It's it's hypocritical. Um, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. hypocritical. It's 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 utterly ridiculous. This whole individualism argument stinks to high heaven, and one has to wonder, you know, who their bit, who's pulling their strings now. I mean, like Chomsky saying that, mm. that the unvaccinated should be segregated and starved, basically. Incredible. I mean, you it breaks know, my heart to see stuff like that. Not even because yeah. I haven't had things I disagreed with him on, but to see have someone have such a staunchly anti-imperialist stance who literally starts streaming about totalitarianism, but they don't realize what they're doing. That's the sad part. Or maybe they do and they've never been, they've always been liars. I mean, it's hard to tell, but I don't believe that. I just think that at this point, these are people that are scared. They've been manipulated and they've pinpointed the idea of health as the way to get that, to reach people like that. They know that health is the way in there. The parasite stress theory and different discussions throughout history have shown that a threat of a health scare breaks down people's logic. I mean, it's very simple. And yeah, that's what we saw happen. And, and it's really, you know, it's really, you know, the whole mass psychosis. I call it, it's more of a, a mass hypnosis. Um, <clears throat> but really, the media is instrumental in that and must be held accountable. It must be, yep. you know, it's, it's got to be taken um, and held to account. It, it can't keep getting away with this because it is such a destructive element in, in the world we live in. Yeah. If not the most, I mean, without this, yeah. I argue that this wouldn't be happening or wouldn't be possible. Exactly. Social media the war and, in Syria wouldn't be happening without right. it. COVID wouldn't be happening without it. Right. right. I agree completely.
I agree completely. But again, recognize that I think the only reason these things are happening is because for whatever reason, whether a shifting in this in you know the planetary alignment or whatever else, people are waking up. You know, people are seeing yeah. through the larger agenda. And I think that's why this is happening. So keep pushing, keep doing what you're doing. And let's I actually really do want to make a point to, to, to circle back and talk about that yeah. discussion if and when we see something pop up around that. So thank you for being here as always. I always love talking with you, Vanessa. Anything else you want to leave us with? No, that's it. Right. <laughs> we did pretty well, actually. We managed to do it in an hour yeah, and 20 yeah. minutes. It's pretty good for us. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Vanessa. And as always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.